Blog Talk Radio. Janice Tunnell for today, Sunday, June 2nd. It is June already. May came and went really, really, really fast. Um, We had a great time um, in the month of May, and I'm at London, and we'll tell you guys all about that. But good evening to you all who are listening around the world. Good evening to those who will listen um, on the playback. Uh, We thank you for your continued support. We are so blessed. And happy that we could uh, bring you guys Beauty Talk for the past 10 years. So we say thank you very, very much. If you have a question or a comment tonight, please give us a call at 914-803-4399. Again, that number is 914-803-4399. We will be right back after this brief message, but you are listening to Beauty Talk. Beauty Talk Radio, hosted by your favorite twin celebrity makeup artists, Janice and Denise Tunnell, is celebrating 10 years, and we simply want to say thank you to all of our guests, our sponsors, and supporters who have taken the journey with us. Because of your support, we've been able to bring you conversations, beauty and skincare tips from the industry's finest, and so many more. Sam Fine, Australian makeup artist Ray Morris, James Vincent, V. Neal, Nigeria's own Lola Maja, Kevin James Bennett, Rocky Cosetti, Marietta Carter Narcisse, Tim Bucharin, Mickey Taylor, formerly of Essence Magazine, A.J. Crimson, Michael DeVellis, Suzanne Patterson, Larry Sims, Denisa Myricks, Melissa Street, Michael Key of Makeup Artist Magazine, Camille Friend Rochard, Naja Riquette, Bernadette Thompson, and so many more. We're celebrating 10 years, and we're so excited about what's to come for Beauty Talk Radio. Millions listen live and via iTunes downloads from around the world. So we have to say thank you to our listeners in the U.S., of course, the U.K., Australia, Ghana, Russia, South Africa, Uganda. Brazil, South Korea, Ireland, Canada, Sweden, the Bahamas, and so many other parts of the world. Are you following us on social media? We're on Instagram at beauty underscore talk underscore media. We're also on Twitter at beauty underscore talk. And we can't forget about Facebook, beauty talk online. We're celebrating 10 years. We're excited about where we're going and we know you are too. All right, we are back here on Beauty Talk again. Uh, this is the first show of the month of June. Thank you guys so much. I'm going to bring uh, my co-host and sister Denise on the line so that she can welcome you, and then we can talk all about our month of May in London for IMAX. Denise, where are you? Everyone? I'm here. <laughs> can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay. Good evening, everyone. And once again, welcome to the show. Uh, Just want to give a quick shout out to last week's listeners here in the U.S., in the U.K., of course, um, in Australia, in Canada, and many places all over the world. We've seen an increase in our U.K. listeners this past week, and maybe that's um, a result of IMAX London. Who knows? 
but we had such a, uh, a great time uh, educating at IMAX London. Um, can't wait to do it all over again uh, next year. Janice, you have any comments about IMAX London? It was a great show. Um, the attendance seemed to be a little smaller than normal, um, but to me, that made it great. Um, I felt like you could really move about. A lot of times when those shows are really, really packed, um, you can't even hear yourself talk on the showroom floor. Um, you know, you can't move when you're at a booth trying to make a purchase. You can't really uh, focus or touch and feel how you really like to because you have people over your shoulder, you know, especially at those like um, the booth for the different brush companies, you know, like how like crown brush, you know, how they have always have a big presentation. Um, it's hard to move about and, you know, make your selection because it's so many people bumping into you or reaching over you. Um, so it was kind of good from that standpoint, I don't know how vendors feel about that, but, you know, as an attendee of the show, I really liked that. It just really felt like, um, it felt like back in the day, I'm at LA, but the only thing about I'm at LA back there, they always had um, nice crowds, but, you know, that show started off, well, when, I shouldn't say started off, but when we first started going to that show, you know, it wasn't as many. They did. They had a lot, but it wasn't as many vendors that they, you know, as they have today. So, um, you know, just enough. But, you know, the education I found at IMAX London, uh, people really wanted education, and that made me happy. That and and because of that, that's still one of my top IMAX cities. Uh, because the people in London, they want the education. And then there's people that come from all over the world, all over Europe, um, for IMAX, for the education. I met a young uh, woman who was in our class in London this year. She's from Vancouver. And IMAX is no longer doing a Vancouver show, she told me. And she said, so she came down to London Um for classes. So it just really showed me how, um, you know, people will really travel for the education, and I thought that was great. You know, as an educator, I really enjoyed this show as, as well. And as always, our class, um, you know, was packed, and I'm very thankful for that. Um, people really, really want to know, you know, they want they want to know about, actors of color and people of color and how to deal with the skin and how, you know, you know, special tips for makeup and, you know, and dealing with skin tones and undertones. And so they really love um, that particular subject matter, and I'm very thankful for it. Yeah, I, I would agree. Um, the, just the fact that the attendance was, was down a bit, and, you know, it was a lower attendance, but um, you're so right. Just having just a smaller crowd made it feel um, made it feel just just kind of like I don't even know the word to describe it, but it just maybe okay. Here's the word. Maybe it made it feel a little bit more intimate, and um, you know, you really got to to communicate with the students and and really. Um, you know, answer their questions, not just answer their questions, but to really, you know, vibe with the students and to like really get down to the nitty gritty about what it is that they're seeking. And like you mentioned, you know, these, you know, they really want education and it was good to be able to like, after our class, like really talk to them and, and, and get a, get feedback about what's really going on, you know, why they actually come to the shows because, you know, the, the, whole thing with the attendance could easily be that, you know, the, the people who were actually there were the actual artists. They were the actual makeup artists. The people who didn't come, maybe those were the ones who were just seeking, you know, discounts and, 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 and products. And just maybe those are the enthusiasts. Maybe those are just the product junkies. 
who knows, but I felt like the actual makeup artists were there, people who are professional artists, people who are newbies and just entering the business. I felt like they were at the show in London, and I could appreciate that. I could appreciate having people there who really wanted to be there because of what IMAX was offering as far as, you know, education and, and demos and not just the the products and the big brands. You know, there were a few brands that, of course, pulled out of the show. Well, I can't say pulled out, but there were just a few brands who didn't come back this year. And for me, that was okay because I thought the brands that were there were the brands that needed to be there. Those were the brands that I think that we needed to see. And more people had the opportunities to, to, um, to you know, to actually go up to the booth and speak to the brand owners and, and you know, talk to the owners about their product and, and, and how the, you know, how they could actually use their product. And I think special effects, um, got a lot of attention this year at the IMAX London show. Like I felt like it was a bigger turnout for special effects, and there were so many more demos being done as far as special effects was concerned, and it was really, really good because if you're a makeup artist for film, who, who works in film and TV, you know, that's something that you needed to see. And, and I think it was it was great because you were able to stand around the booth. Again, like you said, it's, there's no locking of the aisles or anything like that. You were able to really stand there and actually watch the demos from start to finish if you wanted to and and really feel like, you know, you were learning. You didn't even have to be in a classroom setting, but standing at the booth Absolutely. watching the artist from the very beginning to the end and the and you asking the artist questions and he's he or she is communicating with you, you know, letting you know what they're doing step by step and you're learning and that's what it's all about. So I felt great. And so, you know, what I really want to do is um, email Michael Key, who, you know, who puts on the show and just really tell him, you know, that I felt like IMAX London had a great turnout. I felt like it was old school IMAX LA. And, you know, you could really focus on your craft and not about buying products that you don't need. You know, it's like right. every brand sells an eyeshadow. Every brand sells a lipstick. We don't need every particular every particular item from every brand. We don't need that. We don't mm-hmm. need it. So it's it's good to and, good to learn that the products that you do buy, you learn how to use them. Absolutely, and you know, um, and when I say that the crowd was smaller, I'm not trying to paint the picture like there wasn't anyone there. Not That's not what I'm saying. It's just that it's normally so jammed packed that you can't even see the floor. Like if you're on the second level looking down, you can't even see any free space. You know what I mean? So right. it was good to be able to move about and get to where you were going freely. Um, yes. But I do feel, I do feel like, there could possibly be a shift in the industry if those shows, you know, continue to feel like that and be like that. You know how you said the old, like old school LA, which was like perfect trade show. So I feel like if there begins to be a shift in the shows just like that continuously, not just in London, but in all all of the towns, you know, that he does this show in, then I really mm-hmm. feel like that's a plus and a positive thing for the industry because I totally agree with what you said. I do believe in London when when mm-hmm. certain vendors did not show up, it kept certain artists away from the show. The artists that not come to the show were the artists who were only seeking discounts for products. The professional artists, the working artists, and those who are seeking education are the ones who attended IMAX London. And that's that's basically what that show is all about. And I do believe that that show will continue to have life in all the cities that it's in if it continues to move in that direction. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I... 
I'm all for a smaller crowd. I'm all for that. Mm-hmm. Because the thing is, the, the one the one great thing that I remember about when I first started attending IMAX LA was that when you would go into some of these classes, they were standing room only. You know, you would have mm-hmm. people sitting in the middle of the aisleway in the, on the floor because there was nowhere else to stand, you know, not let, let alone, you know, somewhere else to sit like in a chair, but there was nowhere else to stand. So people would sit in the middle of the floor where you would walk, where if you were to leave your seat to try to get out, people were blocking you because they were sitting on the floor. And, and I remember those classes, and it was almost like every class. It didn't matter who the instructor was, but it was like every class, people there because they're hungry for the education, and you got just that, an education. You didn't have like, you know, the, you know, the most popular, it wasn't like there was, it was like the most popular artists around during that time who was teaching the class. No, it was industry veterans, people you've never heard of, but you really got an education from them. And so I just, right. I just felt really great about that show because it just took me back to that type of feeling, you know, where people would, were literally almost running to get to their classes, like, you know, looking at the schedule yeah. and finding out what class is coming up next and, and trying to run from one hall to the way IMAX used to be set up back in Pasadena, mm-hmm. you know, running from one <laughs> hall, the newer hall, to the older halls where the classrooms were, trying to get up there so you can get a seat because you know what it's going to be like if you get there late. And then, you know, people actually having notepads and pens taking notes or, you know, um, little voice recorders, recording um, recording the classes, like people like really seeking that education and wanting, wanting to refer back to it. So yeah, absolutely. that's how I felt at this IMAX London. So it, it was a great show. And, and then again, like I said, a, lot, a few major brands weren't there, but the brands that were there, you know, you appreciated them all because they all had something great to offer and it allowed you the opportunity to be able to see everybody and to meaning meaning to be able to see the different brands and be able to talk to people and really get an education on what the products can do instead of having all of these long lines because people, you know, are trying to get the latest, you know, eyeshadow or the or the latest whatever from, you know, from some of the larger brands. So it was a great show. Okay. Speaking of IMAX, yeah. um, there are two more for uh, remaining for this year. Uh, Toronto in September, uh, September 28th through 29th. Again, um, the Vancouver show will not take place this year. I'm not sure if it's coming back uh, next year or not, but in Toronto, September 28th through 29th. Um, and then in Atlanta, November 16th, uh, through 17th, which is the week before Thanksgiving. It's going to be around the same time. Uh, this year in Atlanta, there's a new location. Um, the Cobb Galleria Center um, will be the location uh, for the new Atlanta show. And then um, in Toronto, it will be held at the Metro Toronto Convention Center in the North Building, uh, Exhibit Hall C, and that's in Toronto, Ontario. Again, Saturday, September 28th from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., and then Sunday, September 29th from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. Same hours as, as all IMAT shows. And for more information, you can go to imats.net. That's I-M-A-T-S dot net. But uh, this year's show in Toronto will be, of course, produced by Makeup Artist Magazine. Um, the character competition uh, will be sponsored by Mel Products as well as Rubberware. And then uh, the bronze sponsor is Bioderma. And so I believe they're still looking for um, advertising and sponsorship for that show. So, again, for more information on all of that, you can go to imats.net. Tell me that date one more time. For Toronto? Toronto. Mm-hmm. September 28th through the 29th. Okay. Saturday and Sunday. There's no pro show. Gotcha. No pro event. Yes, yeah, so it's the 28th through the 29th. And did, do you know if they're having a pro uh, night in at the Atlanta show? Atlanta, let's see. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that, uh, let's see, November 16th through 17th. 
As okay. of right mm-hmm. now, there's no, there's, yeah, there's no information right now as of a a, a pro night. So, um, so maybe not, but the 16th and the 17th. Oh, you know what? They didn't have one. They didn't have one last year because it was a new show, and so maybe, um, maybe they're not doing one this year either because the show is still, it's still. Uh, it's still kind of new. This is just the second year, and not just the second year, but now they're going into a new location. So maybe they're just testing the waters just to see how it goes. But right. surprisingly, that was such a great uh, – they had such a great turnout last year for IMATS Atlanta. I was, like, really, really shocked because most uh, most makeup trade shows don't do that well um, in the Atlanta area. Why, I have no idea. But IMATS did very well uh, last year in Atlanta. So. Yeah, and it was great to be a part of the inaugural, sh- you know, show with um, with in this city. Um, it was a great show. I'm glad they moved the location because you cannot <laughs> have IMATS do- during football season at the Georgia World Congress Center. That's just a big no-no. <laughs> no, you can't. <laughs> you can't. But but the the, fun, the crazy thing about that though was. I felt like on that day, that last day, that Sunday, even though that was a, the day that they had, um, you know, that the football game was going on and parking was an issue, I feel like they had the biggest turnout that day on that Sunday. Well, they did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was still, so you know, was surprised still by that. Yeah. And, you know, you know, some people are very familiar with the, that part of town and, and what to do when there's a football game. You know what I mean? I just wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> so it just felt <laughs> horrible to me. <laughs> it felt horrible to me. But, you know, we're going to take a very quick break, and we'll be right back uh, with tonight's topic as well as uh, some beauty news. We'll be right back. How would you like to become friends with benefits? I'm sure that got your attention. I'm talking about friendsbeauty.com, now offering a benefits discount program to all of our friends. That's right. Professionals that qualify can save up to 40% and non-professional consumers up to 10% just for setting up a free account online. At Friends Beauty, we offer a huge range of products, including beauty makeup, special FX and theatrical makeup, skin care, wigs and extensions, styling tools, and more with thousands of brands at the best prices. We've been in business since 1940 and pride ourselves on ensuring our friends have the best shopping experience ever. Sign up for our friends discount program and shop with us today at friends, that's F-R-E-N-D-S, no I, beauty.com friendsbeauty.com. We also offer studio services for production orders at 818-691-1294. That's 818-691-1294. Join our program and become a friend with benefits today. All right, we are back. And before we get into the beauty news, we just had a topic that we wanted uh, to talk about tonight. Um, It's kind of something that has come up, you know, a couple of times, you know, how of late men's grooming has been such a big, big subject. Um, my sister and I were talking about how back in Ulta, I think it was, you could see they had like a whole entire section of just men's grooming products. And right when the men's men's grooming trend was really beginning to be big, they took it out of the stores, out of the Ulta stores, all the products. It was so hard to find men's grooming products. You couldn't find it in Sephora. Um, you would go to some select department stores and find, like, some, you know, a very small amount of brands. And they were, you know, really specialty brands. That sold, you know, that had men's grooming products. And we were recently talking about just the whole men's grooming trend. It seems so quiet now, you know. We're like, is it existent or non-existent? And um, I also have to mention that when you say men's grooming, you have to remember uh, the barber industry um, owns some of that as well. And so I think. You know, within the last some some few years ago, a few years back, the whole barber industry kind of blew up and was just really, really popular. And it was barbers here, barbers there, and it was 
And then it was also helping to, you know, bring that whole men's grooming into focus. And then you, you're talking about beard care, you know, it's popular to wear beards again. And so all of that was kind of all going at the same time. But when we talk about men's grooming, it's not only about the hair and it's not only about the facial hair, but it's also about skin. You know, grooming has a lot to do with hair, face, and, you know, the facial hair. And not only just facial hair, but you have hair on the body, you know, your manscaping. And so it's it's a lot. It involves a lot. But it seems like lately you don't hear a whole lot. But I will say that men's, you know, men's grooming is not just a trend. It is a lifestyle for a lot of men, and it is very much existent. Um, what, what do you think? Well, I think it's I think it's actually pretty stable. I think when I uh, brought up the question or brought up the topic of men's grooming, um, I think you know, of course, I was thinking more of of the skincare side of it all because I know there are some brands who who are trying to be more inclusive of men, mm-hmm. and instead of having separate collections. They are, um, you know, they're trying to, you know, create products that work uh, well for both men and women. Instead of it being told, being separate, they're trying to be more inclusive of the men and creating products to work for both men and women. And I kind of, you know, because you, when you when you when you really take a look at skincare, you see um, all the different brands. You know, there. I mean, I'm I'm happy to see it, but there are so many brands that do have separate collections for men. And like you were talking about in Ulta beauty stores, how they used to have a large section or, you know, fairly large for men. They had a large section of, of uh, uh, skincare products for men. And this was long before the male grooming trend a few, that started a few years back. You know, this was, I would say at least, Seven to ten years ago, they they had products for men. You had Jack Black. You had um, quite a few uh, different brands. I would say at, at least five different brands, um, if not more, for men, just in this one store in Ulta Beauty. And, you know, you could go and you could find moisturizers. You could find uh, cleansers and scrubs. And these products were just for men. And then, like you said, right before – male grooming became a big deal, you know, they took all the products out of the store, never to see them again. Um, So now men are, like, forced to buy, you know, Clinique or whatever their wives are are buying. If they want to use really good products, they're forced to buy, you know, what their wives are buying or going into a department store to find uh, certain products for them. And sometimes, um, sometimes, you can find uh, products for products that women use that may not be enough for a male skin. You know what I'm saying? Or you may find a product um, a product on the you know the male grooming side that may be a bit too much or maybe a bit too oily for a certain woman's skin. So. It, I, I can imagine it could possibly be a little challenging for men and for brands when you're trying to create products that are for both men and women. Um, yes, skin is skin, but there are differences in skin, and we can see that just with women, that no two skins are alike. So, of course, sometimes what you create for with a woman in mind may not necessarily be uh, the right thing for a guy. So um, I love the fact that the trend hasn't really gone anywhere, and there's still brands out there catering to men, and that's good to see. Um, but one thing that I think that is on the decline is men actually going out buying um, some of these products for themselves. Like I think we, I think we see more women buying products for their husbands or their or their boyfriends or their friends, you know what I mean? Or men getting suggestions right. from women about what to buy. 
I think we're definitely seeing mm-hmm. more of that than actually seeing the men actually go out buying the products themselves. And then, so, so what I bring up because of that is if women are going out and buying these products for men, then I think it's up to us as the beauty professional, whether you're a makeup artist or an esthetician, I think, or, or hairstylist, it's up to us beauty professionals to educate these men on these products, mm-hmm. and not just these products, but educate these men on their skin, on their hair, on their nails. You know what I mean? We mm-hmm. have to educate them so that they can go out into the department store or to a Sephora or Ulta and be able to uh, pick out products that are appropriate for them. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, And it just excites me when we have male actors who, you know, because you and I always have the skincare conversation with whoever we're working with. I mean, you know, it could be an everyday person that we see in our studio. It could be an actor or an actress that we see on set, Uh, whether it's film or television, it doesn't really matter. But we always have the skincare question. Uh, we always have a skincare question for our clients, but we always just have that skincare conversation, and it's so very important. And I'm going to be honest with a lot of you makeup artists out there. You know how it is with women and their hair, and how I notice how, like, a lot of actresses, they may be very particular, like, they may request to have their own personal hair person, and they don't really, really care about um, who's doing their their makeup. Long as it's somebody who can really match their skin tone, they're fine. Well, here's the thing: I strongly feel like, and not to kind of go off on another subject, but I, I, I kind of, I feel like we as makeup artists and as estheticians, we have to take skin seriously because I really feel like that's what's going to really keep that makeup artist in demand. Trust me and believe me. Because and you may and you may see it more with actresses and stuff because they care about their skin. They care about their face and how they look. And when you can go in and educate them on their skin, teach them how to, because believe, believe it or not, a lot, of, a lot of them just are in the habit of sitting in someone's chair to do their makeup, especially if they work all the time. A lot of them don't necessarily, they want to look good, but they don't necessarily know how to care for their skin. So when you can get them in your chair, you can educate them on the importance of skin care, but also educate them on the importance of their particular skin type and address their particular skin issues. I promise you, once they get comfortable with that and comfortable with you doing that, they're going to always see the importance of good skin and having those conversations. And I feel like that is going to separate, you know, one makeup artist, one esthetician from the next. But not to go off on another topic, but I just, at the point I was making is I just love it when, you know, like some of our male actors, uh, uh, Terrence Green in particular, one of our actors on uh, Step Up High Water. I mean, he'll do Instagram stories showing him at the store, I think it was Sephora one time, but he's at the store and he's picking out his products. He's got a long list. Look, he's making jokes or complaining about how expensive it all is, but guess what? He has every last product that you that you, you told him about and every last product that, you know, um, that he needs to address his skin issues. And he sees the importance of it. He sees the right. importance of it. He's the one male actor, and, not, and and a lot of male actors, you know, will will sit in the makeup chair because they feel like they need makeup, you know, to be go before camera. And then you have some who, some male actors who, who don't want it at all. Um, and when I do makeup on men, I try to be, you know, as less makeup as possible. 
you know, and if we can get away with not putting anything on them, then that's great too. But they always have to come and sit down and have that skin taken care of. And the reason why I mentioned all of, you know, the, the skin is because part of that male grooming is taking care of the skin. You have a lot of men with beards, um, mustaches, goatees, what, what have you, and you'll always see these products. You know, it was a big thing at one time you would see all of these beard oils on the market, mm-hmm. you know. Right. Help you grow your beard, help you grow your beard, help you maintain, a, you know, a healthy-looking beard, um, oil to give it a shine, or oil for this, or oil for that. But there was nobody was making an oil to treat the skin under the beard, you know. Right. You know, what are we doing to to treat, you know, um, the, uh, what do you call it, um, that some men get from shaving, the razor bumps? What are we doing to treat all of that? And so, like you mentioned, you know, your thoughts behind male grooming was more about skin. You know, it very it very well is. It, that's a big issue, um, caring for the skin. And like I said, because the barber industry was so popular, really, really popular, and had blown up for a couple of years, um, when you talked about male grooming, people were thinking about the hair, you know, haircuts and that kind of thing. As And then some people were also talking about, when they, they talked about male grooming, they were talking about the beards because beards were so popular. You know, but it's it's all of that, all wrapped up into one. Um, but I will say, you know, men and women, you're talking about buying the same products and using uh, on both men and women or what have you, but people, males and females, always buy hair products. You know, the shampoo, that, you know, that that part almost doesn't count. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's a given. People have been doing that, male or female, for ages. You know, that to me almost doesn't count when you when you talk about grooming. I'm more concerned about the facial hair and um, the skin, particularly the skin. So a lot of people aren't even thinking about the skin that's under the hair. And that's a, that's a big issue. And those products either weren't around, non-existent, or they were taken pretty much out of a lot of stores, you know, and that's one of the things that I did not like to see um, was, you know, being able to go into some of your favorite stores, whether it be Sephora, Ulta, and you couldn't even find a men's moisturizer or you couldn't even find something as simple as a men's lip balm, you know, um, so I would really love to see a lot of stores go back to selling, you know, those skincare products, the facial wash, the same thing we women use, men need to use as well. But, you know, they're just formulas that target issues that men face. And so I would love to see that because um, the products are out there. You know, you, a lot of times you have to purchase them online. But I would love to see more men's skincare products out in your stores like Sephora. Um, even Target has a really nice male grooming section. Now, it's full of products for shaving. And they will have um, some things. You know, you'll see a beard wash, but not necessarily a facial wash. And there may be some facial wash products there, but the, it, there's not a lot of, uh, what do you call it? There's not a lot of products in the men's grooming section of Target that's dealing with the skin. They, there's some that's dealing with your body, like body washes and things like that. But I would like to see more full, full-blown skincare lines for men. That's what I would like to see. Yeah. I think, 
Yeah, I think it's 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 still there, but it's not it's not uh, prominent. It's not um, talked about as much. Um, even you know, it's funny because I don't hear the talk as much. You know, remember they were, you know, it was a beard oil for this, a beard oil for that. I don't see as much talk about it, but it's still there. It's still there, and I don't know if it's because. I don't know. I, I, I don't know what it's because. I was just thinking, like, because you know how the barber industry just blew up. I don't know if that's toning down some. You don't see, you don't hear and see uh, it as much, but I know that it still existed. I know that those same barbers that you always heard about, they're still out there doing their thing. They're still out there, you know, all those barbers who are winning competitions, they're still out there doing it. It's still a full, thriving industry like it always has been, but you really don't hear about it as much. Same thing. There are men still wearing beards, still trying to grow beards, still trying to maintain um, beards. You just don't hear about it. And I don't know why... What what that's all about, but it's it's still there, and like I said, you can still find the products. You just have to for some things you just have to search a little harder. More particularly, the uh, the skin care for men, the 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 beard oils and the beard washes and things like that. They're all still there. You can always find them anywhere you look, but. The, the skin care, which is the part I think, I think most makeup artists, when they say grooming, they think about face. Um, whereas I guess hairstylists, when you say grooming, they think about hair. That's that's all very right and all very natural, you know, a way of being. But I think it's um, it's something that we have to think a little further past that. When we and I and I have seen some barbers, you know, like when we're working on shows, ask the questions. Well, well, what's that? Because they're looking at what you're putting on their face, and I think some of them want to be able to offer the full package, um, but they know nothing about skin. You know what I mean? And I think if makeup artists, uh, well, makeup artists, I can speak for makeup artists for film and television. Makeup artists for film and television, we're supposed to know how to um, groom and maintain um, the facial hair. So we have to get out there with our trimmers, you know, and know how to maintain a beard and a goatee and all that. So um, I think it's important that, you know, barbers learn the, the skin part because skin care is very, is very much a part of, um, of male grooming. Very much so. So I would just really love yeah. to see more products become available, not just online, but in the stores. Mass yes. retailers selling more, more uh, male um, skincare products. Yes. Well, if we're done with the topic for tonight, we can move on to our last little bit of beauty news. Well, I just had one thing I wanted to share while we're speaking of barbers and, you know, that kind of thing. I just wanted to give some announcements on a couple of um, shows that's coming out, um, that's coming up rather, not coming out, but coming up very soon here in the U.S., in D.C. and in the New Jersey, New York area. I'm just trying to pull the dates. Here we go. Um, so first up is the D.C. Barber Expo, and that takes place on October 14th in Washington, D.C. Um, and they'll go behind the scenes as barbers take the stage to educate as well as compete for more than $10,000 in prizes. Okay, and then the next date up is October 29th. It's in NYC. And it's called the Iconic Groomer Show. And again, that's October 29th, and it's going to be at the Brooklyn Bowl. 
Okay, so again, October 29th, the iconic rumor show in New York. It's going to be held at the Brooklyn Bowl. And then October 14th, the D.C. Barber Expo. And I don't have information as to where it's located, um, but it could be at the – well, I'm not even going to say where it could be because I don't want people to get that in their head and believe that's where it's going to be. But, again, October 14th in Washington, D.C., the D.C. Barber Expo. Okay. Now, this one particular event is associated with IMATS that I really don't – haven't really talked much about hardly on this show, but um, it's Artistry Unlocked. Um, basically, Artistry Unlocked is a – you know, are artistry sessions that are designed to explore and unlock creativity – they allow participants to improve their artistry, uh, build relationships with other artists, and develop deeper connections uh, with brands. So Makeup Artist Magazine presents Artistry Unlocked Houston, which takes place August 2019 uh, in Houston. There, There's not a exact date yet for the next Artistry Unlocked, but it will be August of this year and taking place in Houston, and it's sponsored by uh, Ricky, which is a uh, Glamcore uh, lighting system. So stay tuned for more information on that. I will be bringing you that information once I have uh, further details on the exact date in August and on the location. And there will be a conversation on sanitation uh, during that artistry unlock, which that should be very interesting and that's very necessary. So um, it's going to be a conversation on sanitation. Uh, during that particular event. And if you're interested in participating in Artistry Unlocked as a brand or an educator, you can contact uh, Makeup Artist Magazine at pro at makeupmag.com for more details. Again, if you're interested in participating in Artistry Unlocked as a brand or as an educator, you can contact pro at makeupmag.com for more details. Okay, and then moving on to an event um, that's opening up registration pretty soon, NAHA, which is the North American um, Hairstyling Awards. We talk about this all the time. Um, uh, NAHA is opening up their uh, entries on June 6th, and they're closing it on August 8th. So June 6th, I believe, is uh, Thursday. And they're closing the entries on August 8th. Okay, so you can enter Naha starting on June 6th, closing on August 8th. And more details about Naha. The North American Hairstyling Awards is the industry's most prestigious professional beauty competition. Every year, hundreds of industry artists push the boundaries of skill and creativity, competing to win a coveted Naha. Bring your artistic vision to life. Enter Naha and challenge yourself in one of 15 Naha categories of excellence. Okay, so here are some key dates uh, for this event. Again, the entry opens on June 6th, which is Thursday. The entry closes on August 8th. So June 6th through August 8th for entries. Uh, The finalists for the competition will be announced on November 14th of this year. Okay, the tickets go on sale this fall, and we'll be bringing you more information on that date a little later in the year. And then the Anaha Awards takes place on January 25th of 2020. Now, if you remember us giving you details of this information before, the entry always opened up in the fall, and the finalists were always announced like in, like um, I believe, January, February sometime, and then the actual awards took place in July in Vegas. But this time they they switched it around the dates, okay? So the entry is actually opening up this Thursday, closing on August 8th. Finalists will be announced November 14th. Tickets go on sale this fall, and the actual award show will be January 25th of 2020. So just keeping those dates in mind. Also, there's an official 
open call for judges for the competition. Uh, the Professional Beauty Association, as known as PBA, uh, who's the producer of the prestigious North American Hairstyling Awards, invites beauty industry professionals to apply to become a judge for Naha 2020. Um, PBA is seeking judges for next year's event to continue a legacy of fairness, diversity, and elevation of the beauty industry. Uh, judging applications will be accepted from May 15th, which is passed, uh, to June 5th, okay, which will be this Wednesday. All right, if you're interested, the, the deadline to submit your application to become a judge is this Wednesday. But you must be a PBA member to apply. If you're not a member, you can join by going to probeauty.org. And if you're interested in applying to be a judge and you are a member, you can go to PBA, I'm sorry, probeauty.org, okay? Again, if you're interested and you're a PBA member, June 5th, this Wednesday, is the deadline. And more to now towards to the exciting stuff, which will be the uh, 15 categories for the 2020 uh, awards. I'm going to read off to you the categories. Now, if it doesn't say makeup artist or if it doesn't say hair, I mean, if it doesn't say makeup artist and if it doesn't say nail technician, if it doesn't say hair salon, then the categories are pertaining to hairstylists only, okay? So those that are not pertaining to hairstylists will actually have makeup artist or nail technician in the name. So here are the categories for 2020. Avant-garde, editorial session stylist of the year, hair color, hair cutting, hairstylist of the year, Makeup Artist of the Year, Master Hairstylist of the Year, Men's Hairstylist of the Year, Nail Professional of the Year, Newcomer Stylist of the Year, Salon School Design of the Year, Student Hairstylist of the Year, Styling and Finishing, Team of the Year, and Texture. So there's 15 uh, different categories uh, for next year's 2020 um, NAHA Awards. And, again, the deadline opens this Thursday, June 6th, closes August 8th. So get your applications in if you're interested. And I just briefly want, if you're interested in the makeup, I just want to briefly read to you um, what's necessary to apply. Okay, so Makeup Artist of the Year. From one runway to print to red carpet, makeup has the ability to complete or transform an entire look. Honoring only the very best in makeup, considered entrants for Makeup Artists of the Year are industry leaders with unrivaled talent, creativity, vision, and application techniques. Okay, there is a release form that you would need to sign um, to enter the competition. Makeup Artists of the Year model requirements. You must showcase three unique looks. You must sign the Naha Makeup Artist of the Year release form. The Makeup Artist of the Year image requirements. All images must be in JPEG format. Images must be 8 by 10 inches with a resolution of 300 DPI. CMPI is not accepted. Your three final images should be no larger than eight megabytes each. You should have three unedited, unretouched images, no larger than eight megabytes each. Retouching of the image's color is allowed. Just of the image's color is allowed. But retouching of the makeup's color or texture is not allowed. Just the overall image's color is allowed, but no retouching of the makeup's color or texture is allowed. And so a special note to, to that is special effects are allowed if they do not hinder the judge's viewing of the makeup. So this is what's necessary uh, to submit for Makeup Artist of the Year. And for more information on that, you can definitely go to probeauty.org forward slash N-A-H-A. That's probeauty.org forward slash Naha. 
And one last thing before we go, very quickly, um, the powder group has an event that's coming up, and I just wanted to get this out because it's coming up on Monday, June 10th um, in New York City. There's an industry intensive. It's a um, Latina Beauty Now, Latina Beauty Now, Monday, June 10th, um, New York City. You can go to thepowdergroup.com forward slash special events forward slash Latina Beauty uh, to register. Again, that's thepowdergroup.com forward slash special events forward slash Latina Beauty to register. Takes place once again, Monday, June 10th. The time is from 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. The location is the Makeup Forever Pro Studio. That's 8 East 12th Street, New York, New York. The doors open up at 9 a.m., and the program begins at 9.30. Some of the presenter sessions will be the Latina Influence, uh, Incorporating Culture, the Crossover Artists, that will be a roundtable discussion, Latina Beauty Now. Okay, those are the presenter sessions. Uh, The rates, if you are a Powder Group member, your rate is $320. That requires you to put down a deposit of $100. And if you are a non-member, the rate is $420 with a deposit of $100. If you have questions or interested in attending this event, um, you can contact Kelly at thepowdergroup.com. The space is limited and available on the first-come, first-served basis. Uh, the presenters are subject to change. Um, again, if you're interested in this class, you can go to thepowdergroup.com forward slash special events forward slash Latina Beauty if you want to purchase online. Again, the class does take place on June 10th, so that's coming up pretty quickly. Um, so you can always check with Kelly at thepowdergroup.com to see if, uh, you know, if there's any space left for the class. I'm sure sometimes maybe they have people who drop out at the last minute. Uh, but, again, it requires a $100 deposit. Not sure when the balance is due, but because it's getting so close, I'm not sure if they may, you know, require you to just pay in full. I'm not sure. Um so, again, thepottergroup.com forward slash special events forward slash Latina Beauty seems like it's going to be um, a really good uh, industry intensive. So if you work with Latina women, uh, you have Latina clients, I think this, um, this, will, this will be great for you. They say whether you're currently working with a strong Latina client base or looking to gain important insight to the Latina clients, Needs as you grow your business. This first of its kind event produced and hosted by the Powder Group founder, Michael DeVellis, is going to bring you there. So this program will take an approach that crosses over from celebrity, fashion, media, and entertainment. It will, it will include artistry, cultural considerations, product selection, and the important nuances of working with Latina clients in today's ever-diversifying industry. Attendees will participate in conversations with leading artists that have transitioned from successful careers in Latin America to the U.S. and who are paving the way for Hispanic talent and makeup artistry. So I think this is, um, this is going to be a good one. It should be definitely interesting, an interesting topic uh, of discussion. And so maybe we'll try to get a couple of these uh, artists on the show, too, because we work with Latina women all the time, so this should be interesting. Absolutely. Absolutely. Great. Is that all for the beauty news? That's it for the beauty news. Well, thank you guys for uh, tuning in um, for tonight's beauty news show. Uh, We won't have a show next week. We will be on vacation. Seems like we're vacationing all the time. We'll be on vacation out of town again next Sunday night. So check back in with us the following Sunday. And what's that date? Oh, that's Father's Day. That's June 17th. Uh, June, no, that's June June 16th. I'm sorry. Okay. So we'll be, we'll be back on air June 16th and then the Sundays after that as well. So tune back in with us on June 16th. 
16th. Next Sunday, you can guys can check out some of the older episodes. We have a lot of great guests um, this year, so check out some of the episodes that you missed. But, again, as always, thank you guys for your continued support. Have a wonderful evening. I think I see J.K. Hunter out there. Hey, J.K. Um, but thank you guys for listening this evening. Um, have a wonderful evening, and have a beautiful and blessed week. Good night, everybody. Good night.